0: Discover Seasons 1 and 2 now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning.
1: So there's a there's a softball cheer where they say somebody steals a base. <laughs> I was like and, where he's going? With is this, this? still like, part of the lead-in? <laughs> they're like, uh, the cops are coming. The cops are coming. You stole a base. You stole a base. That's nice. cute. I like, yeah.
2: I thought it was working.
1: Three, two. <laughs> Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio Six Hundred Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and Editor in Chief at Voice of San Diego. And I'm joined, as always, by the Managing Editor Andrea Lopez Viofanya. What's up, Lopez? Hey, Lewis. Also in the studio this week, Senior Investigative Reporter Will Hunsbury. What's up, my man? Yo, what's up? <laughs> Let's go. I feel like I got called, called up from the minor leagues or something. This no, is great. This is, uh, you know, don't mess up. <laughs> exactly. I know. I could get sent back quickly. Coming up on the show this week, the cops are running. The cops are running. At least three city of San Diego police officers are running for elected office. As you journalists know, that gives us official license to call it a trend. We'll explain the trend and go through what's happening. Also- we have updates on a couple stories we've been following. One, will the city of San Diego eliminate the city attorney as its own elected office? The mayor has finally weighed in. And also, tensions at the Barrio Logan Community Planning Group continues. Several board members have now resigned. We'll explain why. Finally, one bit of news broke at PolitiFest, and other news outlets have followed it. Coronado is on the verge of a deal with the state. The little city on the island that's not really an island, has refused to comply with state law on housing plans. But now, the city wants to make a deal. We'll talk about that and more. It's going to be a good show. Stay with us. So you guys remember a couple of weeks ago when we did a show about the city attorney at the city of San Diego and how she didn't... Uh, have nice things to say about the plan that would eliminate her role, right? Yes. Not a fan. Yeah, you I remember. D- didn't like it much. She she had some very critical things. Remember she said it would eliminate a branch of city government? Yes. And it would cost all this money. It would eliminate all these uh, transparency things. Totally. That,
2: that, they don't want her
1: to exist. Right. She later, of course, had this in- incredible encounter with the city council, where the city council's rules committee was presenting, you know, or was going to have a conversation about this issue. And they said, we can't handle this because we think this is weird that we have to make this decision. And you've provided us advice on this, even though you're clearly against it. Yeah.
3: Right. Well, she provided a memo and then she had provided a legal analysis. Right. And her legal analysis, she said, was like straightforward. Right. And
2: Her
1: was legal, legal analysis, analysis of should she exist or not. Yes. Yeah. Right. But yeah. then not her biased.
3: memo was like, no. Her no. memo was very
1: critical. Now, she, at that hearing, when Council President Sean Elo Rivera said, hey, you're giving us, you, it's hard to take your advice when you're clearly against this thing. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm not. I haven't taken a stand on it. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Okay. All right,
3: Mara.
1: Yeah. And I was like, that's an interesting thing for her to say. Uh So I I called her office. I had a good conversation with her. She said, look, I believe that there's a lot of problems with this. And I think it's my job to make them deal with the problems that I've identified. But it doesn't mean I've taken a stand on it. She proceeded to make a bunch of points that would seem, again, pretty indicative of a negative take (laughs) on the deal.
2: She's like, this is an objective analysis, Scott.
1: Right. And, but it was, it was, I thought it was an interesting thing. We Uh put it in the politics report on the day of PolitiFest. Now, that hearing though, the council president decided he wanted to delay it. I heard later that there was also a lot of push to just get rid of this. And part of that push was coming from Mayor Todd Gloria himself. Mm. Now, remember that, the job would change in two ways. One, We have a city attorney right now who does two big jobs. One is that she prosecutes misdemeanors within the city of San Diego and Poway. Yeah,
3: sorry.
2: And have. Poway. Yeah, <laughs> Just whatever.
1: Just throw that F in there. And Poway. <laughs> and Poway. <laughs> yeah. And the other job she has is to provide advice to the corporation known as the city of San Diego, right? The mayor, the city council, all the departments, And to make sure that they know what to do, and also if they need to sue somebody or if they get sued, either be their lawyer or get them one. Right. Mm -hmm. The new initiative that that somebody proposed, uh, Gil Cabrera, who ran against her a few years ago for the city attorney's job, put forward was to switch it so that there's a municipal county council, municipal council hired by the city council. To do that work of representing and providing advice to the to the city, the city council's lawyer. The city council would hire this person, notably not the mayor, just ah. the city council.
2: Yep, I, I, yeah, good and point.
1: Then the then they would still elect a city attorney to do the misdemeanor prosecutions, which, if you think about it, would be a dumb job. Can you imagine, like your job? I don't like, know. Maybe someone's. Like, you're gonna run for office, and you get to, to prosecute, prosecute like, misdemeanors, like public urination <laughs> yeah. and like DUIs and stuff like that. Like you're would, like the
2: baby district attorney. Yeah, it would.
1: It would. I don't think it vibe. would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> the, and Poway, do not forget Poway. Yeah, that's true. All the all the all the code violations in Poway. Yeah. It, um. I also heard one of the things I said when I said, "Well, you could still be able to do X," was. The, the firearms, the gun restraint uh-huh. orders. No, that's a civil function. That would go to the municipal council still. So, oh, really? That's off yeah, the so table. Yeah, even, so even like the, the only- Traffic like,
2: ticket. You're the traffic ticket czar.
1: Yeah, you, you get to end and the camping ban. Right? Like, if it gets up. So, yeah, there's some things. So, I can imagine some guys running for that office, some uh, ladies, whatever, running, saying, like, all these expansive things they would do with that power. Sure. But it also is like, come on, guys. Just give it to the district attorney. Let her. She's going to already do all these misdemeanors Seems everywhere very else. weird. Just that, do it. Yeah. So, uh, I asked the mayor's office. I was like, can you confirm that the mayor is against this? And anything about the pressure that he might be putting on it for, for this to get thrown out. Yeah. A few hours go by and they're like, when do you need this? I'm like, well, you know, now. <laughs> <Really nice."> <laughs> Classic <laughs> journalist. <laughs> yeah.
3: I need this in like two hours. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and they're like, they sent me finally back a, a response. They said, yeah, it's confirmed. The mayor is, I was like, well, wait, just, just that, that it's confirmed. Nothing like it. That's it. That's just, that it's confirmed. Okay. And so, remind me and the gangster. mayor's point.
2: The mayor wants to keep it all as one big bundle. He wants an elected city attorney yeah. who handles misdemeanor tickets and who advises the city council.
1: Right. Now remember the mayor and the guy who put this forward, Gil Cabrera, they're, they're buds. Gil Cabrera ran, you know, part of his independent campaign or, or runs a lot of his independent campaigns or things that he's allied with. You know, they're very close allies. So this is kind of an interesting like break or or uh-huh. just decision for him to make. Stay like I'm
2: Does this get the mayor juice with Mara Elliott and does that matter somehow
1: or I think it's about the guy he wants to be city attorney. Okay. He's that? supported Brian Mainshine, wow. assembly mem- member Brian Mainshine is running for that seat against oh. uh, chief deputy city attorney Heather Ferbert who wrote an op-ed about mm-hmm. her own opposition to this.
3: That's so, the job she's th- going for.
1: I think right. that I think the people running for this office. When you're going for a job,
2: you usually believe
1: it should exist. Yeah. <laughs> and that you do it great, probably, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh there's your update on that. I think this is probably I think if they would have said maybe the mayor has a role in who this person gets to be.
2: Oh, you think it could have played out different.
1: Maybe Yeah, he didn't like that the city council would be taking. One.
2: I mean, can I just say I mean it seems very weird to me that an elected person advises the city council, you know, like it seems like love the city council, hate the city council. It seems like it would just make so much more sense for them to be able to hire an attorney to advise them like to, it just seems like such an administrative task and like making it political and making them advisory to the city council at the same time. I, do, do many other places do it that way? Because it just doesn't seem like a great setup to me.
1: Well, I think that's a that's a common sense position to have. It makes sense. What Mara Elliott and others would say. Now, Mara Elliott didn't believe that before. Exactly. She, she believed it should be what you said. Like yeah, just I mean, a direct, do
2: politicians believe anything?
1: Right. But I think what she would say and others is that now that she's seen this stuff go through, she... Being independently elected has allowed her to say things, or oppose things, or at least highlight things that other that the city needs to deal with that she would have been unable or un unwilling to do if she was if she had to be accountable to the city council for her job. So she's saying she makes their legislation tighter. That she makes the public interest she represents the public interest better because she can say like, "Hey, you shouldn't." let this ballot measure to sell the stadium land to, to SDSU go through, forward because it, it improperly constrains you as politicians. And they, and they can say, well, I don't care what you say, but at least she highlighted that is what she would say. And, you know, aren't you glad that you had that chance to re- evaluate it? And they would say, well, maybe you could just help us do this thing we want to do. <laughs> Oh, well, so
3: then the difference if she was like hired by the city council would be like she feels obligated to give them the decision or the advice that they're seeking.
1: Yes, that
2: that she. But can't. wouldn't
3: that mean you're a bad lawyer?
2: I agree. <laughs> I I agree. You hire a good lawyer and they tell you
3: this things guy, you don't want to he hear. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. That's
1: uh, pretty good. So <laughs> I I think I think that's it. Yeah. I think that she. That's what the other side would say. Is like, well. Yeah, you 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 would have four city council members and five city council members on, uh, and if they oppose each other, you know you could make a decision about like what the politics are. Or that free
2: but, free idea for the city here wouldn't like a public advocate be a so much cooler role that, to be an elected role than the city attorney, which she, plays such a questionable. She thing? actually
1: does recommend that the city auditor be elected because right now it's appointed by the city council and or overseen by the audit committee. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So Mm. stuff like that. Sure. And I think that's part of her point is like, you know, I have, there is a whistle whistle blowing line uh, at the city council, a a hotline you can call, but that should go not to the auditor, but to somebody who's truly independent, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh I think there's a few good recommendations, but uh, yeah, you've, 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 you've placed your finger perfectly on the issue at hand.
3: Is anyone ever truly independent?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it when we get philosophical. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy that Mayor Todd Gloria had not attracted a opponent. Very weird. Yeah. For some time mm-hmm. until... Larry Turner showed up. Inter Larry Turner. Inter Larry Turner. He is uh, an active police officer with the city of San Diego, worked with the mayor's staff. You know like, "Hey guys, we should do this. What do you think? Hey, any advice on running for office?" And then yeah. and then <laughs> they're like, "Yeah, here you should do it." And then, "Oh, that office? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're doing?"
3: I love that. That's actually like really brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: he's like, "We're tight."
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Larry Turner, uh, he's he doesn't say he's a Republican or a Democrat. He's uh, He wants bipartisan solutions, all these things. He's uh, obviously very focused on homelessness and, and the crime issues that uh, the police officers like to talk about. He's running for uh, mayor. Talk about him in a second. You met him the other met, day. I talked yep. to him. Uh, also, though, Jared Wilson, the... Head of the Police Officers Association, the Union of Police Officers within the city of San Diego. He is also running for office, but this one is in Poway. He wants to be on the Poway City Council, as one does. (laughs) (laughs) Big stuff happening. Lots of stuff. (laughs) Poway's
3: like really Uh, popping up on this podcast. I I
1: know. You know, there's a big debate in in Padres Twitter, the land of people talking about the Padres, about Uh whether the Poway is East County or not. Ooh, Ooh. that actually is a great philosophical
3: question. What is... The general.
1: General. I think the majority opinion is that it is East County, okay. but there's some that it's uh, like fancy East County.
2: It's yeah. like the, it's like what La Jolla is to San Diego. Poway is to East County, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Right. There you
1: go. Yeah. Um, I I think it's I think it's uh, East County, but it's right on the edge. Yeah.
3: Oh. Oh. I went there for a rodeo.
1: Yeah. And it wouldn't be a trend without a third data point, and that is Terry Hoskins. He's a community relations officer, a police officer in the Midway Mid City district, sorry Mid City district, he's running against H- council president Sean Elo Rivera. Now, unlike both Jared Wilson and Larry Turner, Hoskins is retiring, so he won't have to balance the working for the, you know, city while also running, running for its leadership.
3: Yeah, you know, I I didn't really think about that given their type of job, but um I had reached out to uh, Terry's campaign manager I just wanted to like follow up on some stuff and it took him a while to respond and when he did he said oh I was waiting for Terry to get off work he had like a late night shift or something and I was like Oh, yeah, duh. They work like 12-hour shifts or something.
1: Yeah, you so have can... all these like rules You can't maybe on your break or oh, whatever yeah. you can call. Yeah. shouldn't be responding to yeah. that kind of stuff while you're on the city's dime. there's some jerk journalist like me that would be, yeah, it's 4.30. <laughs> can what you, you about, send me a quick uh, thing for the yeah. politics report? Yeah. Are we
2: paying your salary while yeah. you're responding to campaign yeah. messages?
1: Got you! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Terry Hoskins. Let's talk about him for a second. So he's running for that seat in the mid-city area. Uh, this is the district that... Was created new after redistricting that last round. Marty Emerald held it for a while. Sean uh, or Georgia Gomez had it briefly. Mm-hmm. Now Sean Elo Rivera has it. He has become city council president. Seems like in the world of city politics, he's only risen. However, he's got to run in his own district now. This district has in, uh, encompasses City Heights, mm-hmm. but also the neighborhoods of Talmadge, Kensington, and the University, the city college area. College area. Right there, so Oak it's Park. a yeah, it's a very diverse uh, uh, district, and Hoskins is pretty well known.
3: There. Yeah, I mean, I met him. Um, so as a community relations officer, obviously he's very involved in the community. So he tends to go to a lot of community events, uh, community meetings. Uh, he's a part of the captain's advisory group that they have there. Um, it's like a homeless they address like homeless issues and um yeah everybody knows who he is I, you know there you can find on facebook like pictures of him helping at community cleanups and so i think a lot of members in the community really mm-hmm. like him and know him
2: i mean that being said dare dare we say he's a white guy police officer running in a very diverse district yes that could that might slow one up but i don't know maybe not it's tough
3: it's also a district where it's hard to get people to you know, come out and vote.
1: Yeah, and there are challenges. Some, to there that. are some uh, pretty involved white people <laughs> in that district. <laughs> um, I think that it'll be interesting to see because you deal with this debate a lot in in Barrow Logan, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's like, yeah, there's a there is an antipathy or a concern about police officers, mm-hmm. uh, but there's also a demand for more, right? Mm-hmm. There's like this this completely juxtaposition of of that, you know social justice concern Mm -hmm. and then this like fervent sort of worry about the quality of life, the crime and and the demand for more. And it's probably something he's trying to uh, address as well in City Heights, right?
3: Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, as we learn more about Terry, we'll see like what his his thoughts are on, um, you know, some of the most pressing issues in that district.
1: Obviously, Animating a lot of the cops these days are, is the homeless crisis, and totally. Larry Turner, who's running for mayor, he points to one thing and one thing only when he talks about the homeless crisis, which is that we got to do this Sunbreak Ranch thing. We talked yeah. about that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. You went to an event where he spoke, Bill Walton spoke, and it was was it all about. The Sunbreak Ranch thing? Mostly. Yeah, it was a Sunbreak Ranch
2: pitch meeting that the Mission uh, Beach Town Council hosted. I don't think they were endorsing it. I think they were like hosting this meeting. So it happened uh, where the the big roller coaster is. Yeah, uh, you know, overlooking the Pacific. Yeah,
1: you had trouble finding the room, but it's it's it's. At I Belmont did. Park. I thought
2: it was going to be like a community room, and I was like, oh, this is like in this amusement park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally, I found it, and and yeah, that that's all they Sunbreak Ranch is. Some people, uh, an idea that is clearly like invigorating many, many people. Uh, and Larry Turner it seems to be making that like the biggest part of his platform by far.
1: Yeah. So, just a reminder Sunbreak Ranch this is the idea that there needs to be some very large camp located in a remote area of San Diego where you could concentrate the homeless individuals and provide services for them. A camp where they would be concentrated.
2: Right. uh, It's like, I don't know how to talk about it. I was avoiding explaining Sunbreak Ranch when it first came up because I'm like a little horrified by this idea of concentrating people in the desert. And yet, like, it seems to have caught on with a whole lot of people.
1: Yeah. We talked about it uh, on the podcast, but... Don't
3: forget the amenities. Yeah. There would be 36 (laughs)
1: amenities. And I think, as I said before, the one thing that these guys get right is that there should be an urgent sort of triage of the crisis right now. We should treat it like a a A humanitarian crisis. Yeah, there is a humanitarian crisis. Some sort of, you know, typhoon came, or Mm -hmm. a tsunami, or a refugee crisis, or whatever has occurred. We need to do the kind of triage as a community that might happen if that were to happen. Now, locating it. At the one site that they talked about, Miramar is is why is it always got to
2: be the desert? Like because, all they all their
1: spots are the desert because they don't want to see it. Yeah, and that's the, that's where it crosses the line because the hard part with any idea like this would be compelling people to go there. And people are want to be around community and they want to be around jobs and they want to be around the same reason we all live in cities. They want to be there. And if you if you say like they have to be out in the desert away from people's sight. What is going to keep them there, and that's where the scary part begins. Because the only way they would stay there is if you keep them there. So it literally would be jail or desert.
2: That's what they said at the pitch meeting. Larry Turner, there, you know, they're like, people are asking, "How does this work? How does it work?" And it's like jail or desert. And they weren't saying it that way. Of course, they kept saying our homeless brothers and sisters options stuff. But like that is what it comes down to. It is essence, jail or desert. Those are your options. Yeah, and
1: Turner would say, "Well, they can leave any time, but there's." Again, they're like going to provide a
2: shuttle into town or something because it's like, I mean, the Miramar site's like on the five or the 805.
1: Yeah. And we talked last week or two weeks ago about the the military's own concern about it anyway.
3: Yeah, it sounded terrible. Why someone thought of putting an airport there stresses me out. Well,
1: they they want to get rid of the Marines. There's no question. There's a there's a there's been a long push, I think that that land is way too valuable to be reserved still for a Marine Corps air station. Uh The Marine Corps is like, San Diego's rad. We like having it there. Maybe just deal. (laughs) (laughs) Now Turner himself, he's a a Marine as well. So he he described to me, he said, "Uh, I became a police officer and wanted to be a police officer because I thought it looked fun. And he takes as many overtime uh, opportunities as he can get. He doesn't necessarily need it, he said. Uh, to as a career, he just um, he thinks it's a, a great service. So whether he makes any waves or not, I'm not sure that he has the kind of institutional crowd and funding to really make a difference in a citywide race. It takes a lot of money just yes. to, to viably participate in a citywide race. However, somebody like that has a way of making waves and making framing discussions and can. Force the mayor to make different decisions, or, or whatever. The
2: union and, can help you make waves if you've yeah, got exactly. the police union on your side. Which
1: brings up Jared Wilson, the leader of the police officers' association. They've got they got really involved in trying to sink the candidacy of Montgomery Step, Monica Montgomery Step, running for county, county supervisor. Mm-hmm. She uh, got through that, but uh, uh, they yeah they do have some firepower politically, and we'll see if they use it for for their brothers here.
2: So can we talk about all three of them now? Sure. I mean, I, something is, is happening, you know, as you said, the cops are running and sure at its most fundamental level, that is the facts of the matter. But I think this all points to some like greater unresolved tension Mm -hmm. post 2020, you know, in 2020, the world was shook up in so many ways. Obviously the pandemic, the death of George Floyd, massive protests against police across the country, I think. Police didn't know – police felt attacked and, like, they didn't know what they were supposed to do. And now all that has eased off and, like, society presumably should have a discussion about what we want from police and, like, where, where does this – Where does this tension get resolved and how does it get resolved? And I don't know if the police have provided an answer to the question yet, but they clearly want political power so they can be involved in answering that question.
3: Like they want to be a part of that conversation. Exactly. As opposed to like, oh, it's happening to us and they're deciding our fate.
2: Yes. I mean, since 2020, there's been all this talk of crime increased, crime increased. Since then, it's gone down. But I think they feel the wind at their back a little bit. I think they
1: feel more public support. I think there's a lesson in previous examples of unions getting involved in politics. I remember Lorena Gonzalez and others who were running local labor unions started to realize that they no longer wanted to have people in office who were allies, that they wanted their own people in office. And right. you started to see people who were actually members or leaders of the unions running for these seats and they were openly clear that that was what they wanted to see that they didn't want to try to get people who might vote with them every once in a while right. Why? they wanted to put people in in office Cut who, out could, the of man. Man. who could who could really articulate and lead in their in the way that they think and i think there's something similar going on here stop trying to convince people to be your ally and just run your people and i wouldn't doubt if several of them, if they had some meetings and others and said like hey what do you need to get involved to run for office and some of them did now maybe it's just a coincidence that they're all uh, standing up now but i think there's something like that going on
2: totally and that the, but that that aspect of these three police officers running is what deeply interests me i'm not sure the San Diego city council race or the San Diego mayor race i'm not sure either of them are going to get a massive world shaking amount of votes, but like where we settle as a society on the role of police couldn't possibly be more important.
1: Yeah. Well, I will say this will be a very interesting referendum on the camping ban, especially the race for that city council seat. So Shawn Rivera was one of four votes against the camping ban. Yep. And he'll, they'll probably highlight that intensely and it'll be very interesting to see how it resonates within that mid-city district. Is that something that, that they agree, like he shouldn't have uh, uh, supported? Or will the constituents agree more with the police officer who says like, hey, we should, have, we should have more enforcement. We should have more quality of life, you know, sort of measures like that.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, just from the the homeless uh, advisory group that I've gone to, obviously the people that come to this group are people who like come to this meeting because they're going to talk about homeless related issues. So you know, keep that in mind. But you know, they're constantly saying like what can we do as a community to help you guys do your job? Like, it sounds like you, your hands are tied all the time. Like, how can we help, you know? And it's always, the response is always like, well, you got to talk to your elected officials and they're making our job harder. And so I think like, it's fair to say that there's likely a good amount of people who live within that district who, you know, do feel a certain way about Sean Elo not, Rivera not supporting uh, the camping ban. Yeah, I would say that's fair to say.
1: All right, we talked about this a few weeks ago. This was the Bar-Logan Community Plan and another issue with police officers. Police officers had uh, sort of harassed or encountered these youths at uh, the Chicago Chicano Park. Park and the fallout from that exchange and interaction became a very tense moment at the Bar-Logan Community Planning Group mm-hmm. and an officer was asked to leave yes. and then we were waiting to see what would happen, and we saw.
3: Yeah, in the days after that Barrio Logan planning group meeting, um, which again, planning groups, um, they're city affiliated, they serve in an advisory role, they don't really have any sort of power, but you know, they are representatives of the community, and you know, they weigh in on things, and sometimes if a developer has some sort of plan, they try to accommodate the community. Yeah, so. they
1: don't have power, but they but do. But they do, right? They, if they're you have voices. a project, And they're pretty hostile to different points of that. You do usually try to make them happy because you don't want them opposing. You don't want to be a
3: bad neighbor. You don't want to have issues with the community.
1: They got a little juice.
3: They do. Mm. Um, So in the day after that meeting, when um, the community relations officer was asked to leave, in that moment, some of the board members didn't agree with um, uh, the chair's decision to ask him to leave. Um, And that unfolded several days after over emails where they were all sort of debating, like, maybe the place where we meet at, which is currently the Chicano Park Museum and Cultural Center, maybe that's not the best place for us to meet. Uh, Clearly, you know, there's a group there who doesn't support police and they, you know, don't want police there, and we think we should have police officers at our meetings. We sh- we don't think we should shun anybody from our meetings as a city city affiliated group. Um, so maybe we should consider moving. Um, and then it was just like a back and forth over email of you know some people saying like, well, that's really insensitive to the community. What happened to these teens wouldn't have happened to teens in La Jolla. Uh-huh. Um, and so the police officers need to like think about how they police our community and how they police our youth. So they were having this like very open argument. Um,
2: that transferred to over email. Yeah, the like transferred like email, email chain blew yeah. up. Yeah,
1: which is really healthy. Yeah, <laughs> always goes well. Always very well. Yeah, <laughs> well,
3: but it's it's cool to see. You know, when yeah. when you get to read the yeah, receipts. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Probably not to the people who are writing them. Um, eventually, uh, the group's chair, Julie Corales, uh, she decided. Look, I'm the chair. The community has spoken. They don't want police officers here. As long as I am chair that police officer will not return to these meetings. Um, And so three of the board members did not um, agree with that decision and they resigned uh, last week.
1: How many are left?
3: Um, So that's a tricky question. (laughs) Some have officially resigned. I think some are considering not being a part of the group anymore. But Officially, three have resigned, and um four remained. Now they did have their wow. elections yesterday, um but it was funny because there was only like three voting members at the meeting, so they couldn't actually vote on anything. They didn't have a quorum, um but you know they have they had elections yesterday, so they'll bring in new members. Um but yeah, it's it's turned into a big thing, and from now on, police officers will not be welcome to that meeting.
1: Is Julie still the chair?
3: Yeah, she's still the chair. Yeah.
1: It
2: is, I mean, is that like a flame out of a local planning group?
3: I mean, I guess. I mean, one other thing, which I don't completely understand, and so I'll do more reporting, but I believe the city's planning department's going through a process right now with community planning groups where the organizations that want to be the city recognized planning group for a specific neighborhood have to apply for that job. Um, And it sounded like the Barrio Logan planning group has not filled out their application. Um, So in theory, like any group could say like, you know, we're going to be the representatives for Barrio Logan. We're going to fill out this application with the city. And now they're going to be the planning group. So like all this conflict going on might not matter if they're no longer the voice of the community, you know, when it comes to like city zoning issues.
1: (laughs) And again, that the heart of it is this tension. Do you want... More police involvement, more police and community relations or n- not. You yeah. Know? And and that's that's, that's going to be an interesting conversation in a lot of neighborhoods. Yeah. I and mean, like, we can't even agree
2: to sit on this board together anymore. Mm-hmm. It's gotten so and intense.
3: And so, it was so intense because I think there are some board members who, you know, are supportive of the police and disagreed with the way in which you know the meeting unfolded and the chair asking the police officer to leave because he was there as a representative and, you know, but then there was other people who were just like, if we silence one group, say SDPD coming to our meetings, then like that's a dangerous game to play where you're just saying like you can kick out whoever you want from your meetings and that's not okay either. Right. Um so even just like without thinking of like should police be in our communities and how do they police, just like the fact that they're a, me- a place where people should come and talk um, should be a safe place for anyone to come and talk.
1: Yeah. Well, you can keep up with Andreas Cheesman at vsd.org slash We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us.
0: Learn to address conflicts at all levels from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit San Diego.edu slash peace slash V O S D. That's San Diego.edu slash peace slash V O S D. We broke some news
1: uh, the other day at PolitiFest when Liam Dillon, our alumni, and Voice of San Diego's former investigative reporter, is now an investigative reporter at the LA Times, covers housing. He sat down with the Attorney General, Rob Bonta, for a conversation about housing and he asked him about Coronado. Coronado, a couple of years ago, passed a plan for how it would comply with the state's housing requirements, right? Every city, every region is supposed to build X number of homes, and Coronado. Presented its plan of, of how many homes it would build, and it just didn't comply. And they're like, come at us. And the state apparently has been talking to them about this. Liam Dillon asked Rob Bonta about it, and here's what Rob Bonta said. Coronado um, has also been, has failed to comply as well. We have been engaged with them. We have been speaking with them. We are in the final stages of a resolution which will bring them into compliance. And so we have a term sheet. It needs to be voted on. We're hopeful and optimistic that it will get final approval by um, the, the council. It has not yet. Um,
0: and that can happen as early, I believe, as next week or, or the week after. So
1: well, That happened. Um, this week, it. Coronado did pass a new housing plan, uh, housing element as it's called. It identifies 10 sites where the city has pledged to zone for higher density. And uh, it also says, and uh, KBBS's Andrew Bowen was kind of poking at this, and making fun of it, that 280 U's, you know, granny flats would be built and that would help accommodate that. And within that claim is that all of these smaller homes that are in Coronado that are called carriage houses there that are next to bigger homes that those right now don't have kitchens. So can't be considered actual separate units. And the housing element assumes that 80% of them within the next six years Uh will convert over to full units by adding a kitchen.
2: That's how the, and the number that they have to, that they're bringing in that they voted on is about a thousand, right? They, Mm -hmm. they created new zoning that would allow for a thousand new units. And so you're saying that they're going to get 80% of those thousand by converting these carriage houses?
1: That eighty percent of homeowners who have those houses would convert them. Ah, I and, see. And and so I'm not sure exactly how many that represents, but ah. that's I, I think about up to 200 of the ADUs that they need to get built.
2: That's some wishful math.
3: <laughs> well, they were. I think they were considering them credits, right? Um, so it's like we already have this amount of carriage houses, and if they're converted into something, then you can count that towards our goal. And then they were also counting Navy housing towards yeah. their goal, which isn't typically done by the state, but for some reason they worked it out or something.
1: Yeah, they're making a deal. Now, they Richard deal. Richard Bailey was at PolitiFest as well. We had a separate panel about this tension. This isn't the only city in California that's dealing with this tension between the states' demand for more housing and demand that cities figure out where that new housing can be and the cities that don't want housing – they very clear about that, like Coronado, like Encinitas and other places. And here was Mayor Richard Bailey from Coronado and his discussion about how sort of unrealistic this is. Uh, and he referenced, you know, those those towers that are on Coronado that are just kind of out of place in the sense those those uh, condos that are up against the water. Yes. Uh, he referenced those and said you know it's a little bit unfair that we can't count those or whatever towards the how many housing units
0: we have
3: we said they're like two million dollar condos
0: so if those towers did not exist today and the city of coronado were to include them in our housing element
1: that would actually count towards our four million square the problem with that
0: the problem with that is that the cheapest condo you can find in those in those towers is about two and a half million dollars, and and so
1: that's where once again you know the city can try our best to set zoning, even high density zoning like those towers, but the the market effects probably won't achieve the desired uh, desired result. Okay, here's what he's saying there, and I think it's really interesting. He's saying these towers that exist on Coronado, even if we were to allow them to be. Like if let's say they didn't exist and we said to to comply with these rules, we'll let them be built. Okay, they uh, you wouldn't get anything good out of them because they're they're so expensive. Like you all want cheaper housing for people. Like, if you build these, it's not going to be cheaper housing. It's just going to be really expensive. So he says
2: building's not good on Coronado because it'll always be expensive.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a common thing that comes up in this discussion. They say, like, look, you're going to build this, you're going to allow us to build housing in Del Mar or Encinitas or whatever. It's going to be high end. It's going to be expensive. Part of what I always want to say to that is yes, that's part of the problem is that if you don't build, rich people are going to build. are going to have homes they are they're always it's like a you can bet on it rich people will find a place to live (laughs) when you ban camping on the streets you ban it for in that famous phrase for both the rich and the poor yeah but the poor are the ones that are camping on the streets right the rich are always going to find a place to live if you don't build homes for them they will find a place. They'll take the poor people's homes. They will take the, they'll, if, you, if you don't let them live in Encinitas, if you don't build a place for them there, they will find a place in Carmel Valley. And the people who used to be able to afford Carmel Valley will go to University City. And then University City, they'll go to North Park. And then North Park, they'll take those spots. And then they'll go to uh, Southcrest or Spring Valley. And it'll go all the way down until you've literally pushed somebody into homelessness. That's how that works. And, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy for them to say, this doesn't solve our housing problem because it doesn't create a cheap home. Correct. But it may prevent somebody else's more affordable home from being, you know, picked up by a rich person. Exactly. Yes. Ratcheted up the the ladder. A domino
2: effect. You're, you're laying out like a real domino
1: effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so. People don't like that, but it is a unified housing market, right? There's, it's, it, it, it's not just trickle down stuff. Like it really does um, connect.
2: The thing is, when somebody like Richard Bailey, who wants to be able to control the building in his city and maybe limit that building to preserve neighborhood character, you know, he's just coming at it from the Yimby side. Anyway, he's like, "Well, y'all want affordable housing, and this isn't even affordable housing." I, I feel like it's. A little bit like just looking for any argument Absolutely. to knock down the thing you don't like. 100%. Mm.
1: And I think that, so Richard Bailey's probably one of the most eloquent conservatives in town, right? Sure. He, he wants to be the, I think, reasonably the conservative thinker and leader in San Diego. But I think conservatism, at least the way I understand, it, is all about free market, right? Like right. like letting the free market go. But here's a case where the government is literally stopping people from using their land, their own property <laughs> to build to, <laughs> to build and 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 he's a conservative leader who's who wants that to continue. Yeah. The
2: only thing above the free market is neighborhood character right okay. <laughs> right like more important than the free market
1: is my ability to control what you do with your property and i think it's it's a really interesting quandary and i've had good conversations with him about that like he'll, he'll totally
2: he's an interesting person to talk to about it and have good faith conversations
1: yeah so but i think that's that's an interesting thing now just on this point about the the carriage units and yeah. the, all of these housing element plans in every city are like Filled with just ridiculous suggestions about where housing. Did you go. look up
3: carriage houses? No, they're kind of cute. Alright.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Except I
3: when I was super confused, it looked like the bed was on a porch, and I was like, "This is, this can't be real." <laughs> it is. But San I guess Diego. it was a like a laying out bed and. In- you know on the sun i was like that's where tom cruise
1: crashes after he's you know (laughs) maverick crashes after he's you know flown and gotten drunk (laughs) but like no
3: kitchen what do you do
1: the san diego of our dreams yeah not that i
3: use my kitchen
1: (laughs) i i looked up an old andy keats piece of what the city of san diego said would happen Uh, and remember they promised that uh uh uh, all these different lots would be up zone would have more units uh he pointed out that uh Newly built grocery store was was being identified as a place where there would be more housing. Like it was literally a brand new grocery store, and the city's like, "Hey, that's where housing's gonna be." It's like, eh, probably not. This I was in know. Coronado or something. No, this see. is in the city of San Diego. Oh when wow, they their plan. <laughs> he, <laughs> where the
2: brand new grocery store. Is this sweet. was my favorite.
1: He said that the the plan for the city's to meet its goal of what it promises it can do for housing was the Copley Price YMCA in City Heights that there would be a ton of homes there. What? Yeah.
2: These plans seem like they get pretty silly.
1: Yeah. And the city, when they responded. (laughs) Silly politics. (laughs) When the the city responded to Keats, uh, they're like, well, we don't assume all of them are going to become homes. We have a buffer of about 60,000. So if 60,000 aren't, then... Uh, it works out, but Which again, is
2: funny. It makes it just seem like Coronado is like, we're refusing to even put something on paper
1: for you, right? Because you could really put something that's, on
2: paper. That's not
1: realistic
2: at all. And that's
1: what this proves that all they had to do. They didn't want to play the game. Right. Even they didn't even want their citizens. Which I kind of respect that.
2: Yeah. I, I, you don't want to play this dumb game. Uh, that part. I I like a little better. <laughs>
3: if they just said it that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is stupid. But I think I
1: think that's part of what they what what it, it's such a controversial game even just saying you'll let 1000 homes in yeah. even like, through Dope. these like fantastical means that that was just enough of a controversy they didn't want to deal or they had a principle that this is a stupid game we don't want to play. I bet it's the former.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A good little kicker on this. The I, I read about the meeting yesterday. Apparently, <laughs> like, all the citizens of Coronado showed up and said, don't you dare approve this. Yeah. You know, this is terrible. All the city council members were like, we hate this, but we have to vote for it. And I guess that's because Rob Bonta was on them a
3: little yeah. bit. Yeah. One of the council members was like, yeah, I guess you guys could vote us out, but, like, this we don't have a choice like we have to do this (laughs) that was like all of their messaging and
1: again he probably could have just said like they're not gonna do anything we're not gonna build homes here just (laughs) bailey also had a little thing this week he said he was done
2: no more office no more political office local local
1: Local office. Might jump right up to the old POTUS. You got to read it closely. The little words
2: that matter. It's going straight to national, baby.
1: (laughs) I got you. Uh, Reminder, we now have all of the content uh, from Politifest up on the site. You can check that out at politifest.org. That's P-O-L-I-T-I-F-E-S-T dot org. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast that covers the public affairs that you value in this particular conversational way. It's the most popular public affairs podcast like that in San Diego. Don't forget that you can catch all of our panels and discussions from PolitiFest at politifest.org. You can also find our reporting from the event and transcripts there. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice of San Diego. Andrea Lopez Villafana is our managing editor. Will Huntsbury did a great job. He's our senior investigative reporter. And Nate John organized all that content from Politifest and has done a wonderful job as the producer of this show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.